Gavel bang. Hear ye, hear ye. A little more gust. The court is now in session. Court is now in session. Please rise for the Honorable H.K. Frywald. Please With us again is A.L. Gehring. Son of a bitch. Hello. (laughs) And last and certainly not least, the bum in the back, Henning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we put, we got our uh, put me in the gallery. We got our we got our put, gallery. Put me at a desk. the gallows. The gallows. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, yeah. Except it's not gallows. I've been listening to the two episodes. You keep saying saying gallows, but it's. I think you mean gallery. They say gallows in the what? pilot episode. Gallows is where you hang a dude. Where you hang a joke out to dry, also. Yeah, did guys? Did you guys. see them? They're just burning. Talk them. about gallo humor, guys. Gallo's humor. Yeah, yeah, but this says nothing. To, okay, Space, <laughs> if they said it, I guess it's part of the canon. Whatever. If they said it, it's now uh, in right. law in the book. Writ large. You want to? You want to bring this in front of the court, Henning? Yeah, I think so. I, I think me and <laughs> me and Larroquette could could have this out. He'd agree I think with me. he just did. I think he just He knows did. words. He knows vocabulary. Look at that pipe he smokes. He's got some deep references. Guys, guys, before we get started, I got to ask you. Did you have a good night? We so, did. Court. Thank you. We had a good <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I did." Well, Thanks actually. for asking. Of court I had a good night. All right, I didn't say oh, take there it. We I go. didn't say take it that far. Oh. Boy. Of court we did. We do have a Dan Fielding in the house. Boy. We need Bull in here to break some <laughs> Fielding balls. <laughs> We're back for episode three, we guys. We back. made it. Three times a charm. <laughs> and I don't... Is it three times a charm? That, why didn't that sound right? Third times a charm. Third time, third three times a charm. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Bull's uh, uh, a smaller <laughs> Lenny-like brother. Donkey. Oh, muley. How fast did that thing about he, he had a vocabulary word in the pilot? That thing is just dropped now. Bulls. Oh yeah, they did not carry, carry that through. through the rest of the nope. series. <laughs> Bull's IQ has uh, dropped. I mean, even though he was mm. playing the quote unquote dummy, for lack of a better word, in the pilot episode, Bull now is playing a standing two by four. <laughs> oh yeah, his pitch and his cadence changed in this episode. He even speaks differently. Like, not just the lines, like yes. how he delivers. Yeah. He's definitely, they went full oaf. He yes. fully oafed out. Oh, yeah. Out. He went there. And there were a few times, and we'll get into it, where I'm like, they clearly, like, I don't know if it's his acting choice, or, and we'll get, we'll obviously have to get into introducing the episode. I don't know if it's his choice or if they cut bits, but there's a few moments where a bit is clearly starting to be set up with him. And then nothing yeah. comes to fruition from it. And by that, I mean, like, there's a moment when he comes up behind a defendant and very, like, it's the action of the shot, taps on his shoulders to turn around. Oh, yeah. But the actor doesn't turn around. Nothing comes from it. The camera cuts away. It's like, what? Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, they just cut that bit like they were editing. Like, the scene goes on in the same shot. 
it's I don't know. A bull bull seems a bit out of place at times. Would you guys say he's the first like he's like proto Homer Simpson? Because if you look at him through that prism, you're like, you're missing all these jokes for this great oafish dummy type character. But I don't know if that was like a a trope yet. Well, he's not charismatic like Homer. He just doesn't say much. He's a lump. One of the bits with Bull doesn't sit right with me and we'll get into it, but it's going to come up throughout the whole series. I believe it's come up a couple times. And it yes the 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 bit is that he's big and strong and oafish in that the immovable he's, force the immovable yeah. force he's six foot ten I'm probably got that wrong he's definitely two hundred forty pounds I remember that weight but then what always comes up next is that he's bald but he's not yeah. bald he's not bald he has I a full I head of hair note too. like if it's he ju- shaves it is it that weird of a choice that he chooses to shave his head because like. Everybody makes comment to that, like, that's what makes him weird, but I don't see, I don't think that's that weird. And But I could, it could have been way more strange in 1984. I think it, it is part of, like, his strangeness. Like, you can see that he has a full, luscious head of hair. You can see his hairline perfectly. Yes. Oh, and yeah. it's like, why would you shave it if you have hair? But he makes comment to him himself, like, I'm this, I'm this, and I'm bald. What do you think? Well, I don't know I, what to I think. I can't be discreet. I'm six foot five, two forty, and I'm bald. Right by choice. Right. He is. He is out of place everywhere. Two of those things are kind of choice based. Your height you can't govern, but your weight and the fact that you have hair and don't have it, like by, that's a choice. Well, and also in his defense, and that could be receding hairline, or it could just be his natural hairline. But his hairline does go fairly far back. You can clearly see the outline. But yeah, right. men who men who have you know that issue sometimes do choose to completely shave it. My issue was, and and of course we'll get to it as we go through the episode. But his hair wasn't well shaved at the time that he delivered that line. Mm-hmm. There was actual hair, yeah, not yeah. even stubble. There was hair. Do you think we're just supposed to accept that he, they did a bad job of shaving and like in the universe, he is bald, like congenitally? Oh, but, no, that's, I mean, that's weak. But, but they didn't spring for a bald cap or something to make it more convincing. On the- I oh, mean, man. I don't think it's a problem that he shaves. I just think that that episode was obviously not written and that moment and that that line was written you know if he would have delivered it in episode two he was more shaven at in episode two than this episode also yeah. i don't think the creator reinhold Wiege and the writers and producers foresaw four nerds 30 some odd years in the future <laughs> dissecting <laughs> this show yeah. quite in the way that we're, we're getting into it they didn't think we were really gonna ride the bull that hard we are in the gap. We are the gallows. Oh fuck yeah! Seinfeld's daddy got nothing on us. Chicken like heads clucking as away. As Henning rolls his eyes and says under his breath, "Gallery." It's a gallery. <laughs> it might be gallery, but from now on, it's gallows. I I I feel like they said gallows. I think that's their night court humor. Like they purposely refer to it incorrectly. Yeah. Because oh, they're yeah. they're there they're stuck that's in their own. A, you coined that phrase. It's that perfect night court humor. I do. I think <laughs> to, it's to get at pedants like me and and Larry I wonder how Larry feels. Oh about yeah. 
Larry oh, we know how he feels. He's got a big old boner. Yeah, I was gonna say we really start to get a we get a peak of that boner starting episode three. We really start to see the uh, sexual deviant that is Dan Fielding. I guess I'll keep this short. I have a few just like a- around the city crime beat blotter things that we did last week. I'll keep it shorter than I did. Uh, what this what? one was from? I missed it last time. What is this? That you're doing. These are crimes that happened. This here, is present ha- contemporary. No, no. no this is he this missed is, the Chucka Nuns last. Yeah, time. the Chucka Sticks. You missed oh, the Chucka Sticks. I got an earful of Chucka Sticks. <laughs> Too much, in fact. But what's the crime blotter bit? Uh, it's just uh, like what was happening in New York at this time uh, when this aired. In actuality, to give yeah. us like why Actual the historical crime. Yeah. Why the gallows? Like it seems like a cartoon, but like New York City was a nut house. Yes, mm. January eighteenth, nineteen eighty four. Take us back, case. All right, uh, th- here we go. Uh, the body of a forty four year old Brooklyn man who had pleaded guilty last year to being part of a narcotic trafficking operation was found yesterday in the trunk of a nineteen eighty one black Mercedes owned by his wife. Oh, mob stuff. Mob stuff. We got some fratellis in there. Uh, his, his name was Mister Jicharia. Ooh, the Jicharios. <laughs> I gave it a little a little Latin flair, but it is not. It's not Bull Shannon. No, it's not Bull Shannon. Right. Uh, the other new nothing quite as spicy as the Chuck a Stick. A twenty year old man shot a transit authority police officer in the mouth at point blank range. Fuck! Did he live? <laughs> Uh no, he's going to jail. The other guy didn't live. Wait, the okay. wait, what? The, the he guy shot him in the mouth. Died, but the guy in the mouth died. <laughs> yeah, the guy. Oh. With, the guy with no mouth yeah. anymore. Oh, that's very sad. Oh yeah, that's why we can't spit on subway drivers anymore. Cause of stuff like this. Sons of bitches. <laughs> yep. Night court, New York. It's gonna say you remember that movie Sniper where the guy sniped the guy's jaw right at the perfect pinpoint where the two points of the jaw make met and his jaw fell off into his hand and he's like trying to like like scream for help but he can't because his jaw's just hanging there with the skin you know sniper with tom Tom berringer berringer yeah Hmm. who was the young guy was it a i don't remember i'm thinking navy seals but anyways i don't know always stuck with me (laughs) clearly i think you could probably still make a lot of noise without a jaw Oh, well, that transit cop wasn't me. Poor transit cop, man. Yeah, I know. That's Dirty New York. And you know what? It was over like he was trying to commandeer a chuck-a-stick, not even to yep. keep it. Just like, hey, don't pull your chuck-a-sticks out on the train. Put them in your pocket. Boom. It's like that. Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say that I had one comment about just the city at the time. Uh so for the fiscal year 1984, uh, the department hired 2,680 probationary police officers with an additional 18, uh, 1,850 hirings projected. Uh, about 175 new civilian employees have been hired with a uh, hiring six, 639 more. In, an increase in the force of a probably about 20, 23,000 people. Um, the manpower problem, the commissioner noted... It's just too easy to get a policeman these days. You just dial three numbers. Everyone's got a 911. 
Yeah, I got it. This guy. Is this the same guy that made the jersey comment? Yep. <laughs> is it? Seems legit. Yeah. No, it's the commissioner. That guy's fucking full of full of them. I love Just this full guy. Full of sass. I know that's what I I read it. Everyone's He's got like the commissioner in in the Michael Keaton Batman. He's staffing up hiring more policemen, but he's saying everyone's got we've got too many policemen. No, he's just I saying we got so many cops all you got to do is call 911 now. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Now we do after the hirings. Okay. I needed all those cops, man. It's feeling like I was going to say last night I was walking home from uh, Mag had a show and I was walking home and you guys all know if you've lived in New York what New York feel New York gets a little feeling of night court New York when it first starts mm-hmm. to heat up. Oh, People yes, start to yes, feel yes. that little hot mm-hmm. under the collar. And I was feeling that coming home, walking to the subway, uh, dirty bum. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> a guy threw a coffee cup, like literally like night courty. He was in the trash, but like Oscar the grouching it, like, like cartoonishly <laughs> trash going left and right. I know that's not funny because it's homelessness, but it was like, wow. It was like I had night court on the brain. And then we get in the subway. Guy comes in, speaker strapped to his back, big old oversized sunglasses, and starts doing some hip-hop beats about Trump, getting angry. Um, I don't know uh, if this is Night Court or Warriors. Yeah, right. No, it it, it had that feeling. And that's the thing. That next guy that got on the train literally just had um, bicycle shorts, uh, red sneakers, and a matching red leather jacket with no shirt on underneath. Very warriors e oh <laughs> night court is feeling very good. Crazy, like, like you know that movie Kids? I know that's not 1984, but there was like, you know, the kids were just out. And you forget right. after you get a mm-hmm. little older that kids are fucking maniacs. So it's these yep. kids like walking on their hands and calling each other Twinkies and just being <laughs> all around roustabouts. <laughs> Helicoptering Cities. their dicks and shit. The, uh, they were watching them bark. <laughs> That was not a helicopter. Are you talking kids? Yeah. Harold Ramis? That wasn't Harold Ramis. Uh, Harold Hunter? <laughs> no, it was Harold Ramis. Putting the old dick to left and right? <laughs> All right. Motorboating. I guess we should- uh, Yeah, let's get into the should episode. Should we motorboat into the episode? Because we got another star-studded extravaganza. I got real happy about this one. Would you say star-studded? I absolutely would. I flipped out. I'm backing Ashley up. There must be something I missed, but I'm excited. I'll I'll start us off as usual with a little um you know what the descriptions are getting rough. I'm gonna have to start to write my own, but uh I didn't, so we'll do that. We are in episode three, titled The Former Harry Stone. Uh let's see, directed by Jay Sandrich. That's gonna come back to play. You're gonna love this, Henning. Okay. Uh written by Tom Reader. Okay. It aired January 18th, mm-hmm. 1984. Is this the first one that Weegy is not involved in? Uh, yeah, you know what? It's the first one Weegy didn't um, write or direct. R- write. I don't think he directed any of them yet, but he was definitely written the last two. Uh, the description's very small, uh, but we'll get into it. Lana learns that Harry has a criminal record when she tries to find out his age to settle a bet. Note. Terry Kaiser makes his first appearance as sleazy reporter Al Craven. Hell yeah. Barney Martin <laughs> also appears in this episode. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he This is a crossover does. episode. Yes, it does. Talk about immortal Gypsy Curse. 
Well, he's not yeah. immortal. We'll get into that, but he looks pretty <laughs> much the same. He does. It's amazing. Some of those character actors, you're just like, like the like the principal from Back to the Future. He looks the exact yeah. same age in 1983 as he does in 2017. Which is funny because they make the joke in the actual movie, Back to the Future, that he looks that the he same. That he looks the same oh, when fuck. Marty goes back. You're, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because <laughs> he shaves his head. It's the magic of bowl. The yeah, cue ball magic. What, it's um, all cyclical. Ball don't crack. Do you think that's ball a fair description, I always ask? I think so. Yeah, I really do. If you're doing a brief synopsis... I- I would go with that. I don't know what you could add or take away. Exactly. Without, like, you know, you want to con- bury the lead a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're reading that in a TV guide. I would have gone with uh, something mysterious in, in his past rather than p- p- uh, paint out criminal record. Save uh, that for the episode. It's a good point. Good point. That's got Henning. no sizzle, Henning. That's got no TV guide sizzle. Yeah, you want to hear. You're no Al Craven, yeah. is he? Lana uncovers something unsavory in Judge Stone's past. That's oh. that's sizzling. That's Ooh, Henning just savory. proved he's the Dan Fielding of the podcast. It's bull's vocabulary. I know, the yeah. Thank the God, day, maybe Henning. Henning can tell me who the fuck Pinky Lee is. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> I wrote it down. I don't know either. And I did I Google do. It. I, re- I did some jo- joy. Cool. Well, then we'll, we'll just get, we'll get into it. You read the synopsis. Uh, episode starts. We are in court. Court is in session. We are not, in, not court. in court. You're in the cafeteria. Oh shit! It's a cafeteria, <laughs> isn't it? The greatest. Guess what? Because guess what happens? Cafeteria court is in session. Classic sleazy. <laughs> uh, newspaper man shows up like old school murder poli- mo- murder reporter Al Craven. Classic Al Craven. Terry Kaiser. <laughs> Terry, geez, and for geez. the and for the uninitiated, I'm going to kick it to Ashley because she shouted it when we saw him. Okay, so Judge Harry walks in with this sleaze ball, Al Craven, and he does. He has a snivelly laugh, and I can't do it. So maybe one of you can. <laughs> that's that's pretty damn good. And I literally shot up on the couch, and I was like, I know that motherfucking laugh. It's Bernie, baby. Weekend. At Bernie, at. motherfucker, Zuh. that's a skinny Bernie. It's good, Bernie. Bernie. But Bernie doesn't laugh in Weekend at Bernie's. He's pre- yes, he does. <laughs> pre-murder, pre-voodoo, resurrection. This is young Bernie. No shit. Do you think he got typecast after Bernie? I actually, As a <laughs> I, I, I researched Terry Kaiser for this episode, and uh, yeah, he pretty much his entire career, with very few exceptions, was kind of typecast as a snively kind of villainous guy. It's that laugh. That means he's probably the nicest guy ever. Yeah. Actually, he really is. This, we'll find out, is the episode Curse of the Typecast. Uh-oh. Because there's- Oh, yeah. We'll get, like, everybody almost involved in the whole episode- is forever locked into whom they played <laughs> on this episode of Night Court. It was the the reason Weegy wasn't involved because he's like, I don't want to get in on that black magic. <laughs> like, I don't want to get locked in time and typecast in perpetuity. I must have, you know what? I gave this baby a few viewings because I wanted to watch on, but I still haven't. So I just keep watching the episode, which is fine. But I was not able to pull these polls you guys are clearly pulling actor-wise. But can I say back to Cafeteria, 
yeah. how amazing of a setting that is, and it was utilized in many, many sitcoms. I don't think so much anymore, but it seems like, and maybe you guys can confirm or deny, like, for whatever reason, when they needed a new setting in any show, every place just had a cafeteria now. Yeah, but the cafeteria... The cafeteria still lives on. It just lives on in the coffee shop or the mm. pub down the street. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's and the same type of setting. Ash and I've been rewatching The Office. Like they, you know, they it's just that you're room. sitting around eating. It's just a natural place to have conversation and exposition yeah. that doesn't feel forced. I was just gonna say exposition. It's a place where right. people can debrief, and it seems natural. Where, yeah, where anyone could drop in. You get there's no. Uh, exactly access denied to any of the characters it's just where everyone comes together well and it's also it's even less obtrusive than the office as well not the office the show harry's office in the fact that the audience subconsciously gets oh these are people in their natural state they're not Mm -hmm. at at quote-unquote work those are the judges quarters like not every they're more friendly together in the cafeteria they're whipping zingers at each other they're they're laughing they're having a good time right they put their briefs down and uh, yeah. Get comfortable. Harry needs to get a goddamn padlock on his fucking chamber's door, but we'll get into that. Oh my god, Jesus Christ! <laughs> that was so, a, yeah, I, we. <laughs> it was a moment I had to laugh out loud. I was like, "Are you I fucking did, kidding me? How you? many people can get in this goddamn?" <laughs> All right. right. So yeah, it opens. I threw my hands up, Hans. I went really. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding uh, me? As we said, opens, everyone's in the cafeteria debriefing. We get the setup for the episode. We meet the actor Terry Kaiser, who is the scuzzy reporter. Classic yep. bit. Rat face. Craven. It's it's like the, the, the movie trope of the uh, the guy who works in the morgue who's always eating a sandwich. Exactly. Over yep. the corpses <laughs> of a body. Yeah. This guy just loves gore. He loves the depravity of life and... Uh, not afraid to share it. It gets him going. You about the seven guys who were stabbed last night? <laughs> Which is now more part of the mainstream culture, I will say. It's much more acceptable to be a... Uh, I'll use this because the most popular podcast right now is called My Favorite Murder. I was just going to say that, yeah. To be a murderino, it's okay to be curious about death and... I mean, it's not okay to be a snively corpse actor and giggly about it but it is okay to be like yeah i'm into serial killers and shit whereas before even like definitely at this time is like no you're you're like a sick weird taxi yeah. driver kind of guy like if you're into when that. i was in middle school and i was like i want to do a report about serial killers like right the teacher calls your mom well, and I think it was actually really smart of them to do that because even myself putting, you know, before we start the episode, I put myself in my, you know, my night court cap on as the case may be. And immediately I was jarred. Like one of the first lines is this guy who we don't know talking about slashings and murders and it's off putting. And then once I realized, oh, this is the guy you're supposed to not like. I was just like, they did a really bang up job on that because all of a sudden you're instantly put off by him. Instantly. Totally. Ashley, do you watch these episodes in a black judge's robe and Warner Brothers ball cap? <laughs> she does, yeah. I absolutely <laughs> do. It's a Warner Brothers ball cap. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that one. Eventually. Only if you own the Batman cassette tape. VHS. 
<laughs> all right, all right, sorry. Yes, that's a good point. It, they, this is perfect for exposition. I'm just saying in the world of cafeterias, why in, in my life, I want to have a group of friends where we go, we have casual conversation while in line, while nasty lunch ladies, as adults, <laughs> as sir, adults ask yeah. us, like, put our pudding down on our tray and ring us up at the end. Uh, you just saying. described uh, uh, prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. And, and just like the school lunchroom, there's this nasty weirdo kid that no one likes, Al Craven, hanging around Al trying Craven. to sit down and join the cool table. To the point where he even asks, is this seat taken? And Larroquette says yes. And yes. then the kid sits down anyway. And was it me? Did anyone else find that, like, fact? Like, he's snivelly in... in- done excellently by the actor but he had that one pocket that was packed to the brim with newspaper i, I didn't mm. notice that right it's his own just newspaper like, like i didn't either. off put i was like i guess because he's a reporter but it was his like left pocket was full to the brim of like either it looked like the sunday new york times folded and just tucked into a pocket Maybe this is all like uh, some kind of other bizarre, bizarro world where he actually lives on 42nd and 6th Avenue as well. And that's his pillow for the night. Spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, we meet. I think, uh, he's just, I think he's just carrying around his own paper to show off his work. You see that story I just wrote last night about the guy who lost all of his fingers? Yeah. <laughs> Are we still in that time frame where they printed the newspaper twice a day? They still do that here, Casey. They still print the Post and the Daily News twice a day. No shit. Mm. Yeah, they they print the late edition. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, then we get into it. So he, we just uh, uh, Craven sits down at the lunch table with our 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 cadre of uh, lawyers and bailiffs, uh, and then we get the premise of the episode. Because Harry walks by and they make a comment about how young he is. Craven does, as Craven, a matter of yeah. fact. Always sniffing for a story, this Craven. He, is he even old enough to shave? And can I just mm. stop it right there? Yes. He looks 40 years fucking old. Or is that just me because that's how I grew up, so I always saw him old? But I just look at him and they're like, he could be 28. I'm like, are you guys all fucking nuts? He's a grown fucking man. This conversation shouldn't be happening. See, that's the thing. It made me feel really old at the time because it made me think, because Hans, I thought like you were just like, how does that guy look 28? That's insane. And then I started to like second guessing myself and I thought, Wait, does just I think everybody's older, and as I get older, I just push their ages up no, because I've all and okay, so I, I'm an, happy to be vindicated. Old looking 30 year old man, yes, he's no, a man. I agree. That was a hard, 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 hard sell, yeah. But he I, wears sneakers, guys, he wears a sweater, he wears sneakers and jeans, he has like raised jeans. moles and shit that you have to cover with makeup, like those that's old man skin. Yeah, he has an old. His face looks like an old old baseball glove. Like, because <laughs> right, they covered right. in that. It's like craggly, and it's, I know that's it's only not craggly. No, no, it's the makeup. He looks though. You dead. know what I mean? No, he, he's he looks young to me. I, I think I could have guessed twenty. He looks younger than forty, in my opinion. Yeah, if they were arguing whether he was sixty or not, I would be like, well, yeah, that's an argument you can have because that guy's definitely not sixty. And if he is, he looks great. Let me just say this: I'll preface it because it sounds like we're being we've been pretty harsh on critical, and now 
or pretty harsh on critical, pretty critical on bull. And now it seems like we're being pretty critical on um, stone. Let's just say when I get to gavel bangs, I have one rating for this episode and a separate rating for Harry Anderson. He fucking 34. kills this shit. I'm oh, just yeah. saying mm. he, he, and he's a good looking dude and he's all around like, just like he bumps himself up. He bumps himself up. Michael J. Fox style in this episode for me. I will yeah. just say not in a million fucking years. What I say, I was surprised. I did some joy. I did research on his actual age. And I was even surprised when I found out he was younger than he looked. But again, that might be my perspective. I How old was he when he filmed it? It's the same setup as the reveal. We're going to find out the age later on. Okay. He's the same right. age as the reveal. Just okay. like he's the same name. Just like Selma's the same name. Mm-hmm. They stick with what they know. So, yeah, we get our... As we've come to find out after three episodes of Night Court, there are kind of... Two storylines that will eventually cross paths. We have our court storyline, which we haven't quite, we haven't found out about yet. And then we have our lawyers and the behind the scenes storyline. Mm-hmm. So that one is they all decide to make a wager on how old Harry is because he is so young looking, you would think he was 13. But it's a good reveal. We now finally find out that Selma is a Highlander. Yes. Clearly. Oh my god, that's right. So uh young man we young man old soul, he he has a gag where he says he's nine hundred years old. Where a fortune to- a fortune teller told him he was five hundred or nine hundred years old in a past life, but the first few hundred years uh were a kind of a blur and then Selma goes Kick it to Selma. Selma Selma goes. Yeah, they sure do. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we, we, we blew, we botched that. We did not yeah. do her justice, I'll tell you that. Oh, boy. She we do not do have our wiggy timing down at this point in time. Uh, so, yeah, we cover the Make It Age bet. They're prying into Harry's past for fun. Really quickly, throwback to the 80s where it's totally okay and acceptable to smoke a motherfucking pipe oh, yes. in a cafeteria. Just public space. Oof. I was going to bring Just that up. Just rocking yeah. that pipe. I don't. I don't smoke anymore. I wish I could. I love smoking, but it just like I don't know. I just like uh, I. I quit smoking because it's so terrible for you. But I will say, seeing him suck, I wish we could go back to the times where you could smoke a pipe in a cafeteria. I know that's not right. I'll probably regret it if that were to happen. But you know what? I wouldn't mind it. Ashley's mom was in town last weekend, and we were having this discussion. And Ashley's mom was talking about. Her job in the 80s when she was working in sales. And pregnant with me. And pregnant with Ashley. She was like, oh, yeah, I worked in this office. They the, they they didn't have full walls. There was kind of like a middle school where they have like- Like the partitions. Three foot yeah, gap. Yeah, sure. Um, so she's like, yeah, I had the back corner office. And everyone, she's like, I didn't smoke when I was pregnant. But everybody in that office smoked for eight straight hours. And yeah. it just, she sat in a smoke. And- I, and I was premature, and I never knew that this happened. And she said, the doctors really think that you were premature because she was essentially smoking because she was around so she much lived secondhand in a, a smoke. a humidor. She worked in a humidor. <laughs> right. I mean, we're going back to a time. I can't even... This was before... I just can't even fathom... Because I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm being a bit hyperbolic. I wish that 
people could lighten up a little bit because now it, sure. you do, do you know what would happen if somebody tried to light a pipe in a cafeteria? People would lose their fucking mind. It it has to be the same reaction to when uh, you and I lit a cigarette on the subway. Yes, but the subway's different. I that's a little more compact. I I guess I get that. But I'm thinking about like there was a time when everybody smoked on aeroplanes everywhere. I was just going to bring up airplanes, and I can't I can't fathom it because as a former smoker who loves to smoke, I cannot stand the smell of smoke in a non ventilated right compact room or space and i'm a smoker and it drives me nuts yeah that's got to be that must have been but i guess and just because everybody's used to it it's it's i mean do you it's think all, all of that smoke like you know how when you travel on an airplane and there's like the um, the emergencies and those little vitamin c tablets you take because it's such a compact space and like sickness spreads do you think the smoke from smoking like Sterilize the plane from all the poison, so you're just getting smoke poison. But I think not, like, Don sick Draper poison. would make that argument in a cigarettes ad. I don't think that's it's valid like that great episode of X Files, where the nicotine is an actually a natural oh, pesticide. Yeah. So these guys got oh, get yeah. all get infected with these dirty bugs, and they yeah, these bugs crawl out of their skin. And the one guy that doesn't get infected is the guy who plays Jigsaw in uh, in the Saw movies, and the reason he doesn't get infected. <laughs> Is because he's got like a weird like because he uh, rips the filter off. No, he's got a mental disorder where all he does is sit and smoke cigarette after cigarette. So he smokes like three cartons of cigarettes a day, and the amount of nicotine in his his system acted like a natural pesticide. So these bugs didn't hatch in his body and eventually make him explode. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) it's like that. No, I feel you. That's, I that's what Dan Fielding smoking a pipe in an '80s cafeteria <laughs> is like. No, but something about that—that that, the yellowed I mean, walls of that cafeteria—it's oh. a pipe. It's a pipe. My my a old man for- smoked a pipe. He didn't smoke cigarettes. He is like he smoked a pipe for a majority of my childhood. Takes a real takes yeah. dedication to smoke a takes fucking a real pipe. man. A real so, yeah, man smokes a it. pipe. Right. You got to stuff, gotta stuff it. You got to clean those, like clean the inside pipe cleaners. Literally, yep. you got to. You don't just light it and have it and throw it. You got to be that guy who's always got like a match. <laughs> you always got to be lighting your yeah. pipe. Right. Yeah, it's got to be a match, not a uh, lighter. You it's yeah. so wild. It's funny you said pipe cleaner, and I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. It's for smoking pipes. Yeah, yeah, and not for like sewer pipes. So in the eighties, when he's doing, when Larroquette is doing Dan Feeling, excuse me. Uh, is doing this it's like more it's for character development right is yeah. what we're agreeing oh definitely it's to give him that highbrow he's not yeah yeah he's not a dude who doesn't care about ever, other people's health in the context of the 80s he's a smart dude yeah because he's it, smoking it's a not, pipe yeah the, sh- the shift now contemporarily be like that guy's a dirt ball right but th- yeah. at the time it was a uh, high couture yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Totally. I mean, his his three piece suits do it, it's the same thing. Yeah. His vocabulary, the suits, the pipe. Like he's supposed to. Oh, be... Oh, I'm gonna get into the vocabulary. Oh, there we go. This Smoke guy's fucking pipe. references are like he's only he's a jo- he's his <laughs> jokes are all unto themselves for him. One, which is why we love him because he's like a <laughs> austere jerk practi- practician. Yes, sure, it's all inside. Sure it's all inside. Practitioner. He makes one reference that I'll clear up real quick. He says, uh, what's it in reference to? He says, 
do you want to know the judge's age? And he says, uh, that's like asking me who is Pinky Lee. Right? Is that right. it? So yeah, he makes this exactly pink, Pinky Lee reference. And it's not a sexy, but I had to look it up. Pinky Lee was a guy named Pincus Leff, who was a um, 1950s, early 1950s stage personality comedian. He had his own children's show called The Pinky Lee Show in the early 1950s. That's his Wikipedia says that. And then the next paragraph says he died in 1993. <laughs> so concise. All right. So, I mean, what's, it's a uh, pro- probably a fan of uh, of Weegy. Maybe watched I guess we had to have watched the Pinky Lee show, but there's no evidence that existed other than this weird <laughs> reference. Yes. <laughs> and it's a weird <laughs> reference, right? Yeah. The, very bizarre. The right. The it evidence. got a laugh, though. So so they got it. The evidence yeah. that he lived is in, in, contained entirely in this joke, much like he's asking for. So the joke is he's asking for evidence of Harry's age. And yeah. meanwhile, he's OK. What's the joke? Did anyone who, who is that Pinky out? Lee? That joke? Yeah. The yeah. joke is just like nobody gives a fuck about this person. Uh, Dan Fielding throughout. Dan Fielding likes oh, to make his joke? own jokes. That's what he's saying. He doesn't care about participating in this the guessing game. And, no, it's it's exactly. it's a comparative joke because it's like comparing Dan giving a crap about his age is like comparing him to this Pinky Lee. But I don't have a frame of reference. Like I right. could go, Henning, me giving a shit about this contest is like me being a flargdarf. Like it, <laughs> it's just this. I don't the frame of reference. Like I don't know. No, the the only reason I even noticed it is because it landed so well it, with it the audience. It got a solid Selma laugh. He has a, a, his own repertoire of jokes. Like, you know how you would say, like, he's one orange short of a fruit basket or whatever like mm-hmm. the standards are. He's yeah. always tweaking them to ones I've never heard. The most refer, uh, referential one here is he says, the judge has a few, pa- uh, what does he say? He, judge has a few pages stuck together. I'm just saying I hadn't heard that one before ever, and I've heard a lot. There's of a them. reason. Yeah, it's a Fielding original. Yeah. Uh, or I let's guess, move to the courtroom. Uh, yeah, let's get to the courtroom. We got some info. Hold there. on, hold on. Mm. Order in the court. Henning has has something to say about the Fielding original statement. I of believe. Of course, he's defending. Oh, no. oh, defend no. your mentor, Henning. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say pages stuck together, and later he's ogling a nudie mag. Are you? Oh, uh, sexy Larry Cat oh, reference. He's going jizzy go. with it. Well, he's going I, jizzy I with actually, it. Actually, as good, as Larry Cat once... would say, the banana doesn't fall far from the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of well, fun coming actually, up with Heading actually has a really good point because immediately once we get into the courtroom, so they've they've all the team has decided to place uh-huh. bets yeah. on Harry's real age before they they find out. And they're going to look through court records, and so then it goes to um, Larroquette is giving Bull the you know the 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 markup of pick your date or oh, pick yeah, your yeah, pick yeah. your age and put your initials, and Bull's using his pen and he's yep. like, don't press it too hard. And then afterwards says, you crushed, you crushed my nib. My, you crushed my nib. 
what the fuck does that mean? I had to rewind it because I was sitting mm. I like, literally, you know I, under, I understand what it means, but yeah. literally, they, I think they're just trying to do they're, they're a sowing, special yeah. classist double entendre. Yeah. They're sowing the seeds. Yeah. It's, you could say anything. The way he said it, it's definitely meant to be sexual. You harched my boner, bull. Oh, really? Exactly. Oh, whoa, I you guys wow. are dude boy. I was too busy did focused on did you, is did you is bull so much of a goddamn monster that he can't even <laughs> use a pen? But it's a fancy fountain pen with a really delicate, a delicate nib. It's a, an expensive yeah. thing. Yeah, you don't say it's crush my nib without thing. making a sexual Reference. I think always you can always equate it to that because pens are. I think it's it's and- definitely you know when a guy is you know or the it's the it's the drooping moment yeah, that happens think, with a flower that he's holding or it's something. It's probably less foreshadowing and more like bull is tough. Bull's a real man. Dan Fielding's kind of a fop. You crushed my nib. You crushed my nib. Oh wow! I I I, I see it now. But one, I was like, what the fuck is a nib? Two, I was like, to say it again, Bull is Lenny from Of Mice of Men. He is. Can I crush your nib, Dan? Can I crush your nib? And then, um, yeah, but so now what is he saying? Like, Bull, don't pitch, pinch my penis top? Like, what? <laughs> you made me lose my boner, Bull. He's too dainty. Like, Right. That's, it's like, because he says, like, don't push too hard. And then I was like, oh, hey, yeah. oh. He did say, he's he like, did. you're pushing don't, too hard. He said, you're pushing too hard. Don't push too hard. And then afterwards, oh. he gets this dejected look and he says, you crushed my nib. Mm. The whole thinking, the whole situation has Michael J. Fox hug written all over it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. we're, we're getting, I have a, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So I guess we should get to the thrust of it. We finally get to the, the thrust of it. Yeah, was that a fielding? I expect that out of D.A. Henning over here. D.A. But... <laughs> <D>. Horny Henning. <laughs> order, order. This court is horny. <laughs> As I bang my floppy, my dick-shaped gavel. You just have a, you just have a black dildo flop it on your... I don't know why it had to be black, but they always tend to be black. Speaking of 80s misogyny, yeah, let's we're keep going. It. Yeah, oh, so it gets, the- yeah. I don't think you could get away with some of this shit today. Ooh, doggy, you absolutely couldn't. So the case before the court today is we see a couple dressed in like late 70s wedding attire. Like they just got back from Las Vegas and were married exactly. by Exactly. A real H- Harry and Lloyd. Harry and blue tuxedo, black trim. Ruffles. Uh, ruffles, ruffled shirt. The woman has the like low on the shoulder, sort of flower childy um wedding dress. And that eighties hair. And that eighties hair. You got that that Farrah Fawcett with a lot of Aquanet. She was cute. Oh, Definitely she is cute. Known for her name is Judy Landers. Okay. She is the sister to Audrey Landers. Okay. They were voted uh hottest Hollywood siblings in the eighties. Oh, God, did they do, like, weird sister shoots? They did a Playboy. They both did the same Playboy. Together? Naked together? I don't know if they were together. They may have been. They. I've seen that shit. Uh, her IMDb <laughs> reads... I know, I, I recognize her. That's why I looked her up. Hans leaves to go to the bedroom to get the copy that we're talking about. So I'll, I'll get into the case because it kind of lends to the actress that plays the character... Yeah. We find out that they were about to get married, 
and the the hot blooded Italian man. I don't know if they say he's Italian. Well, I think he might is, be Polish. His, the actor's name is Joey Arseco, and he <laughs> only plays Italians. <laughs> that could be Greek, right? No, Arseco, yeah, right. Could or be Romanian. Greek. I don't really think he was playing Italian. I, I really have written down though. He's we're we're including the trope from previous episodes of that angry New Yorker. He's, oh, he's yeah. a handsome man, but he like is a handsome looking Italian. That dude. hot blooded temper. Of an angry New Yorker. So he basic he breaks up a church because we find out he what happens at this yeah. this great Knocks night court night weirdo wedding. He's at his wedding. He's walking down. His wife is walking down the <laughs> aisle, so good. and yeah. everybody starts screaming, "You make me feel so good, Mama!" Ooh la la! Uh, for the court records, I believe it's "Hey Mama, Hey Mama, you make me feel so good, Hey Mama." And we find out that some of the scumbag's friends have passed around, and this is your grandma's, your grand. it was Stud Magazine. Order in the court, you're killing my bone. Did we crush your nib? <laughs> Fucking nib crushing, I was getting my big reveal for Stud Mag. Uh, so, yeah, she's coming down the aisle in the ooh-la-la, mama, ooh-la-la, and it's like, who... How lousy are your friends if they're there passing around? They're passing around a fucking skin mag called Stud. <laughs> With your f- wife in it. With his wife in it. Yeah, I don't know who how these guys got the invite to the wedding. Late night wedding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, night weirdo wedding. Oh, and my other question is, is that night the church. groom just found out about this on the day of his wedding. Did he meet? His betrothed yesterday? Yeah, she's definitely fucked some of those people in that uh, in that chapel. Right. It, yeah. it it doesn't end up again. This is you know twenty odd years yeah. later. Four dorks looking into it. You know, but still, I was like, well, did no. you really just find out? And that actress has only done this type of part. Like, I'll read, and it'll get into what Ashley wants to talk about in the courtroom, but it's. Uh, so this is Judy Lander's uh, mini bio on IMDb. One second, can I make a can I make a call on what sh- one show she's definitely probably appeared on? Yeah, Married with Children. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I didn't see it on her IMDb, Damn. but that's all I could think about. It was probably <laughs> her sister because I thought it was. I was like, I've seen her and stuff. So Judy Lander's pleasing personality and physical attributes have made this former Juilliard music student one of the popular character actresses in both action series like BJ and the Bear, Vegas with the dollar sign, as well as a, as well as in a multitude of situation comedies during the 1980s. Although a student of the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, Judy has uh, tried her hand at dramas, but because of her ability to play naive, innocent, or sometimes dim-witted characters... The Blonde Bombshell seems to have excelled more in comedies. She's appeared in such series as Night Court, The Love Boat, and films at, such as Stewardess School. Ooh. And this this treat of joy work we'll have to watch called Dr. Alien, in which she plays, <laughs> she plays Dr. Xenob. Oh, God. And it's basically, from what I read, it's just... Uh, Weird science, but she's like uh, a space doctor. She gives a guy an, an injection of enzymes, and it makes him hot and horny. 
and other women can't keep their hands off of him. Except he can't seduce the one woman he wants to, which I assume is his kind of stuffy, nerdy girl that he liked before he got turned into Stefan Urkel. That is the greatest name for a movie. Dr. Alien. It's it's like Hemingway in its perfection. It's Oh, you got to see the cover. I don't need to see anything. I need I need that tattooed on my chest. Dr. Her and Alien. her sister are only like they're those hot eighties ladies. Well, she's beautiful, but the first thing I wrote down before she even opened her mouth, and then once she did, it was absolutely confirmed. Eighties dumb blonde. Yeah, totally. Just that you know that character is alive and well in Night Court. And her and her sister are both like trained at Juilliard. They both went to Juilliard. Her sister Audrey. Is is as a singer, and she played a singer for eighty some episodes of the show Dallas. Oh, really? That's a run. That's a good run for her. Um, but they're both in it. You, there's a picture of the both of them, and I was like, I've seen these ladies a hundred times over, and they're only the hot bimbo, the hot blonde bimbos. No, well, they're talented. They're very, very pretty, and I guess unfortunately that's how they got because of the way they look. They got. Typecast. Cat typecast into that. She's very good. She's very good in the episode. Oh, she plays the character incredibly well. As an actor, you know, I give her a 10 gavel bangs. I give her a gavel gavel bang. I set myself up. Oh, indeed. No, because the, you know, like the story is you see her naked in Stud Magazine. And my first thought was I recognize her. I know I've seen her naked in a cheesy movie. Like, I knew it. I was like, I've seen her naked before. Sure. So, moving along. What the? Uh, why along. call it... And by like, the end of the episode, so had the whole gallows. Wouldn't Stud... Ma- yeah. Wouldn't Stud be the, more the name of a... Um, Horse? Like, your grandma's... Gay magazine? Your grandma's studs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your grandma's playboys. No, it's so funny because when they said that, Hans, I immediately went to chasing Amy. And sometimes you just need a woman with a horse. <laughs> yeah. I was right. like, that's all right. I could imagine. Stud magazine. 80s, 80s playboys are the best playboys, by the way. All around. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it, there's just something, something about even the quality of the paper. I'm going to go there. Oh, you, yeah. You, the articles going, were written so well. You always have OJ Simpson on the back selling dingo boots. <laughs> That's my, I like that that as a new go-to because you made the joke. Ashley just made the joke about the articles. Like that's an old joke. I'm going paper quality, not even articles. <laughs> I don't read the articles. I jerk off to the pictures and feel the pages. That paper quality. Uh, nice. <laughs> I just roll it up. Yeah, just... <laughs> All right, Doctor Alien, hit me with it. Where are we at? Uh, so yeah, they pass the the stud magazine around the courtroom. And everybody gets to have a crack at that. So here's when I come in. So I, I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking, uh, you know, 80s lady tropes. There's a little bit of funny misogyny going on. Definitely innocently, though. And, and I'm kind of letting it slide. And Bull's looking at the magazine. And then... I don't think you know Bull what? looks at the magazine. We start yeah, off he does. Larry Cat's looking at it first. The big joke is Well, is- Larry Cat's definitely looking at it, but then it goes to Harry. And Harry's when I go like, oh hey oh, this is getting too far. I thought that was too far Harry, too. Harry the judge, number one, let's say this. This is still a court of law. 
The court is in session, and the judge is looking at the magazine, completely not unbiased, and delivers the line, looks like you were cold, too. Oh, yeah. Are you going to make me take take T-Stone down a gavel bang? Yeah. You're going to have to take him down a gavel bang because I I literally I thought to myself I was like, well that's a little that's one step too far. But I think it could be For leading. a man of such character. But to make that a very easy joke. I had the same feeling in that when I was like when Larroquette, when Dan Fielding's looking at the magazine, I go, "All right, we're finally getting our first taste of dirty dog sex hungry Fielding." I see where this is going. It fits. Right. And then there was just something that made me uncomfortable about how enraptured uh, Harry T. Stone was with Stud Magazine. Yeah. I agree. And I think with Fielding, it was perfectly, uh, you know, in, in terms of the 80s, certainly mm-hmm. not as a woman myself did I appreciate it, but it was forgiven. It was it was part of the joke. I got yeah. it. I forgave it. But yeah. Dan Fielding's a then pig. When it He's starts, supposed to. It starts getting passed around and gets to the judge and then a comment like that. I'm like, Harry, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, the judge should be the one to squash hmm. that behavior, not. Which he does in the end, <laughs> too. So why they wrote well, that joke. He's a young 28 year old boy too just like he's just hitting puberty (laughs) that's what my my initials are next to don't crush he's a horny 80s man to counteract all these horny 80s ladies but he's not like judge harry t stone is our counter to the stereotypical horny 80s man he's our voice of reason and he loses we lose a little bit of him here we do it's like a little bit of him absolutely it's like your old man talking about how much he likes looking at stud magazines you're like ugh. Yeah, it's like your old man talking about your mom's butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need to know this. <laughs> Thanks, pops. Gross. Oh, that made me queasy. Hey, uh, in the interim, I think we missed it from the time we see Fielding looking at the magazine and the time we see Harry T. Stone looking at the magazine. Don't we get a certain appearance from somebody in the gallows? Oh, we do. Uh, this is a crossover. This is the first appearance of Mr. Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's father was in the gallows tonight. What? Morty Seinfeld runs Morty the whole Seinfeld. damn episode. Oh, shit. Yeah, his, the actor's name is, rest in peace, um, Barney Martin. And he, um, God bless him, he, f- he passed away in 2005, but he's probably most memorably known for playing Morty Seinfeld yep. on the Seinfeld show, who he kills it, obviously. But am yeah. I, am I crazy in saying that, um, he looks, this is 1984, Seinfeld's what? I guess Seinfeld's what, 10 years later only? Probably, yeah, 94. Yeah, it's honestly not that, you know, it doesn't. It seems like longer, but it's yeah. Not. I guess yeah. now that we say it out loud, I thought it was a longer gap. I'm just saying he looks completely the same. I would say at least ten years for Which sure. Fifties hobo, fifties yeah. hobo, he's tramp to the. He's just that. The only difference is he's got that little mop top. Yeah, yeah. He's got his little Beatles haircut, <laughs> and he's a real close talker. That guy. And oh, that's part of the joke. Oh, definitely. Watch out, Selma's buns. Oh yeah, it's Selma's Ooh. buns. Are getting talked about by Morty Seinfeld. What's his? I, I don't think he gets a name in the in the. Uh, he's the only one. He's the only go to in this uh, in this um, gallery. I think he was mm-hmm. credited as bum. 
<laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, you know, I found out you can still say hobo, but bum, obviously, we should you should steer really? clear of. You can't use bum? Not supposed to the use B-word? bum. I, don't, I think it's, unless you're talking about equipment, no more bum. No more bum? Damn. I like that term, right? bum. I mean, you would think hobo is more out of fashion. Yeah, I would have thought hobo to go first. Oh, well, I heard so something about that. that. It's, it's so out of fashion that it's okay again. Well, hobo has its <laughs> hobo is like you said, Casey, like Flondarp. Like there's no um, origin of hobo, whereas bum comes from like what does it come from? You're a bummer, man. I don't know what's bum come from. I guess maybe hobo has less of a negative connotation. It's like, ah, it's a beloved old hobo. Whereas bum is, I guess, more synonymous with like, oh, that guy drank his life away. Like he's mean. Yeah. He's a bum. He's a, like he ran out on his family type of thing. A hobo is a migratory worker or homeless vagabond, especially one who is impoverished. Uh. Unlike a tramp who oh. works only when forced to, and a bum who does not work, at, not all. work oh. at all. A hobo is a traveling worker. Gotcha. I don't know how much work a hobo's getting done. I love that hierarchy. So bum is the bottom. You don't do shit. Bum's under tramp? Yeah, yep. bum is under tramp because a bum doesn't work at all. A tramp only works when necessary, and hobo is a traveler. Who Mike, also works Mike when at wherever he he or she goes. Because the hobo is looking for work, hence the travel. A tramp is just like living on the land. We're gonna find out that it's unacceptable to say all of these terms, and we've just <laughs> said them each about ninety times. I say them every day to the people who ask me for change. I was like, "Leave me alone, you tramp." <laughs> we had a we had a. I was um, just excuse gonna excuse me. I'm more of a hobo. Excuse me. I'm actually a bum. That's like that time, Casey, oh, okay, you then. walked by that uh, that homeless person and they asked you for a dollar and you found a piece of cardboard, threw it on the floor and said, dance for it. That was not me. I know. That was Justin. <laughs> I didn't want to. Okay. That's p- a horrible story. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. The fact that it was anybody that you know. It was, hey, uh, Hans, it was pretty brutal. Hans, speaking of which, don't you have a tattoo that's like a, a hieroglyphic of traveling hobos? It's a hobo glyph, which I think we coined the phrase, theology of. <laughs> hobo glyph, yeah. And I got the worst one. Like, there's like fun ones that's like, this hobo glyph means ride in the rails. This hobo glyph means there's, there's plenty of chili to be had. And I got one that's just like, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> so like, <laughs> if now it's like, it's just something no, totally, no, totally. It, I think it was like a beating await. So like, that's don't exactly knock on this is. door. Like, so when, now when people ask me, I'm just like, yeah, it's like a Hebrew symbol, meaning love. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Hebrew symbol for a beating await. <laughs> is that anti-Semitic? Not if you're bringing the beaten. As the Jewish hobo. Oh, no. That's like, uh, that That movie followed right after, that's in the trilogy from Dr. Alien. Dr. Alien and Jewish hobo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what the third one would be. Horny judge. Let's get back to it. Uh, horny judge, speaking of, yeah. So we got, Judge Judge Harry takes us down a notch with his off-color comments about the, the defense, not the defendant, the p- prosecutor's. Well, that, Nip, nipples. That's a good point because who's whether that that magazine is relevant or not, or why it's even here, why they're even here depends on who's 
the defendant and plaintiff in this case, what we know is these are just two couples who come in with a story. And like, if he's bringing the case, what's the case? They if make reference the to case, that. They make reference to that. It should be it should be the owner of the chapel that he busted up coming in and complaining, if anything. That's what Stone says. Yeah, Stone says regardless of whether your whether it was appropriate for your girlfriend to pose nude or not is not the case here. The case here is that you destroyed church property. Right. In which yeah. case, who brought the case? <laughs> I think she was just it was her against him because she didn't want to be married to an animal. <laughs> a goddamn hot blooded animal. Yeah, let's be honest. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't trust this guy. Uh, uh, I think this guy might be a domestic abuser. Potential. There's potential. He's hot. He's got a temper. That's for sure. He does. He's hot blooded. Let's take it. Let's take it out of the realm of horrible things. Oh no, his defense. I, I, I was just looking at my notes. Uh, his big qualm was <laughs> the guy goes. I don't want my bowling team seeing my wife's goodies. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I was like, that's a perfectly dated statement. I was like, bowling team, that's amazing. I love bowling team is a classic. Uh, you don't see it much anymore, but it's a classic, definitely sitcom thing. Me and my bowling team. It's always me and my bowling team. One of the now best it, Simpsons episodes of all time. Yeah. Pin pals. Now mm-hmm. it would be me and my fantasy league. Yeah, yeah, good point. Probably. Yeah, or your D and D, you and your D and D guys. If you're yeah. like Big Bang Theory nerd dad, yeah, every Big Bang Theory got re-upped for another two seasons. Good each Lord. each of those guys getting like one point seven million dollars an episode. Good God, that ain't Night Court money, man. Oh, we'll no, have to ain't. look up uh, <laughs> to be gauche. We'll have to look up kind of um, what. It's like I feel like '80s sitcomery like paychecks is like what you find out that old like um, professional old athletes player. made because <laughs> yeah. you're like LeBron James just signed a four hundred million dollar contract and you're like oh yeah wow that's crazy and then you're like Kareem Kareem Abdul Jabbar got a hundred and twenty five dollars a week and had to <laughs> and had to buy his own hotel rooms yeah no then we get back into it because uh, so during all of this. Cub, all this hubbub and commotion, uh, our uh, our sleazy reporter returns. Al Craven. and uh, he wants a look. Well, we don't even know about the file yet, right? So we got to go back because Craven isn't the first one to find out. No, he's not. So essentially, what's happened in the background? What we learn is that well, the everybody's team, stroking it to the skin mag. The team has <laughs> requested the the judge's files in an effort to find out his age for this bet and this pool that they have. Carry on. Uh, so they find out the uh, courier comes and he brings the file, and we find out that it is in fact not his innocuous personnel file, which would have his name. And age in it, it is his actual actual sealed criminal record. We, that's the reveal. Harry Stone has a criminal record. No wonder he was belittling a woman for her body. Yeah, it's not a he's not a sexual predator, believe it or not. It's something else. Did can I just say this? Can, speaking of records, let me go on the record and you know where I saw this going in a direction and it didn't go anywhere near there. I was thinking um, so I'll, I'll, I'll continue the story a little bit. So the record comes to, to about, 
And then eventually Harry T. Stone finds out that they requested the record because Dirty Al Craven discovers they have the record and he wants to write a scathing story about the judge and the record. Because this is hot. And so the judge comes in and finds out that they've found out that he has a criminal record and he fucking cracks the whip. And my thought was, oh, he you don't know if this judge is telling you to stand or sit. He's playing a joke on them because his criminal record is going to be like, I mooned a cheerleader, you know, like something so (laughs) stupid. But well, I want to take it back because there's another act of misogyny by Harry T. Stone. So Lena, Lena gets Lana gets really upset about the fact that she accidentally uncovered this and she feels horrible. And this is before Harry finds out that they they even know about Mm -hmm. the file. So Craven, Snively Craven's trying to get to it. And she, like any good 80s female joke, puts yep. it down her sweater so it's in her shirt now. Now you yep. can't get it, Craven. That wouldn't stop Craven. I forgive it. I forgive it. <laughs> I've been in worse places. Oh, yeah. Oh. Because he man. says, where's my file? And she turns around and the file's in her sweater. Harry T. Stone. Man. Yeah. Wait, I've been no, in worse places. that's Craven pla- who says that, not Stone. I don't. Is it Craven? I believe it it's Craven. Craven. Craven says. I thought it I've was Stone. No, but you're right. Stone has a similar comment when he sees. It's, uh, no, Stone says what? Stone says what else you got in there? What else is? Oh, there? he's he's body shaming her because of her figure. This guy, man. <laughs> you think he's like okay? Dethroned. Is that what you call when you kick someone off the yeah. court? I don't think it's dethroning. No. I just think it's it's really interesting watching this. You know so many years later and to pick up on this stuff, which was honestly very innocent joking at the time. They yeah. certainly weren't trying to be misogynistic or, mm-hmm. you know, offensive towards women. And now it's just taken, you know, we're a little bit more not sensitive to it in a bad way, but we just have a heightened understanding. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, you don't have to, you don't, we certainly, you can, we can go back and analyze the past and we, but we, and we certainly don't have to forgive the past, but we can look at it and go like, Look at how um, uh, casually weaved in to the social fabric this conversation is. It's just like to the point normal to the point where in this office, and I don't know if we mentioned it in the last episode or if it was even there, but in Harry's office, there's a giant portrait on the of the woman. I think it's Marilyn Monroe. I don't know for a fact. It looks it's Marilyn Monroe. yeah. It's it's just it's very. And she's like bent over, and you can see her. Oh yeah, like it's it's very titillating, if you will. Um, but no, it's just very poignant in the episode that that's there in judges' chambers. No, it's funny. I never would have thought it would get to this point, but like seeing Judy Landers, who I knew, I like the whole episode's about. People seeing her naked and it freaks like it, the guy broke up his wedding because his wife was in a skin magazine. I was like, I remember like, you know, like I seeing her naked or watching a movie and praying to God I'd get to see her, you know, like just that teen, that preteen like. And I was like, these are grown men and they're doing the same sort of like, ooh la la, look at that. Mm. Right. Thank God. uh Judge Harry T. Thank God we weren't on the board above Harry T. Stone. Us, us nerdy bureaucrats were like, but he's got a woman on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> 
You like to keep, we would be like the warden from Shawshank Redemption. You want to keep your little girlies on the wall, Stone? Uh, come on, Stone. I'll send you to the old sodomite stone. <laughs> I love that. That is uh, the all-time, not to go too far off, but one of the all-time characters in film is the warden from Shawshank. Warden Redemption. from Shawshank, always. God. And then we have a we missed a great line, and we'll tie it back to like uh, old Craven as he's trying to scheme the contents of the folder. They're like, "You're a slime ball," and he's like, "I'm slime. I've been called it all." And then Bull goes, "Oh, called." He doesn't say oak, but he is like maggot, maggot sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> and then there's a pause because it's like, "Oh, that's a pretty good burn." And then Craven, yeah, Jackie O, Studio Fifty Four. The most timely 80s New York City reference. It's like Pinky Pinky Malone, this reference almost. <laughs> no, I think it worked, man. Those two those two things. Um, um it's not our fault that Pinky lead and hold his own and, and go on no. to be so iconic. Studio fifty four and Jackie O remain no, it's so perfect. iconic it's like that it's great. Kanye think- at the fifty fifty club or whatever. It's just like so timely. But yeah, you can imagine at the time, like Midwesterner in Watertown, South Dakota, watching and being like, "Bah, studio, fi- what the hell is he talking about?" No, it's 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 interesting to like think how, like, because it's so far past our time in New York City, but like, how much a part of New York City's DNA, JFK Jr. and yes. Jackie O used to be. And fucking clubs and clubbing and, like, the party and all that shit. Like, that was just when we got here. That was dying out with, like, limelight and stuff. But th- this city just used to, like, from what I heard and what from, my, from what I gather in movies and, like, just what people tell me about the 70s and 80s in New York, like, it's just had, like, a different vibe. Like, just like, uh, like we talk oh, yeah. about. Night Court, New York. It always had an underline of danger. Like, somebody was mm-hmm. always coming into work. Or like tonight court, and they'd been up for forty eight hours because they were hitting the clubs that never fucking closed in New York. And I feel like New York itself now is getting more like Los Angeles in the fact that it's spreading out so much. Right. That there are pockets of all of this stuff happening, but they're so disconnected just from distance. Whereas back then everything was Manhattan. Yeah. Like everything was happening in this geographically small spot it's an island like so it's just this compacted art music i mean crime like everything is happening in such a small Mm. compact area i also to bring it back to the kennedys really quickly you know that obsession to a degree still stands but even as we've just figured out 10 years later in drumroll seinfeld Mm -hmm. john john yeah, huge no, deal. I was just, yeah, I was going to bring that Kennedy's, up. Kennedys, they they were still, you know that that era was still alive and kicking even in Seinfeld's time. Yeah, to bridge the gap. My intellectual to my right here. Are you familiar with the uh, Seinfeld JFK Junior episode? No, I haven't seen an episode of that. Of that show? Whole show? No, sorry. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Dan Fielding. <laughs> Henning, of course Henning, you've never stop seen. blowing that pipe smoke in my face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy reading books. <laughs> I've not... got a few pages stuck yeah. together, Frazier is more yeah, my is. speed. <laughs> I, I'm not wooing because I'm just like, I'm not like that. I'm just, in fact, I'm proud of you. Like, that has to take effort not to have seen that show. Mm. 
I know the memes. I know Festivus and Soup Nazi. I know the memes. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> Only the Nazi ones, huh, Henning? Especially. Henning, I never noticed that tattoo <laughs> of Pinky Day Lee on your arm. <laughs> All right, where are we? I, I, uh, I, I oh, like, so I got we, lightheaded we off, over here. We went off on our Kennedy tangent, and then we all fainted because Henning's never. Seen Harry's it. just found out that they have the file, and then we just found out Henning doesn't believe Seinfeld exists as a human being. <laughs> doesn't exist in my universe. Uh, oh, I, I got a quote from uh, Old Craven. I thought was good. Still, a play, like the Craven quote, <laughs> Cra- Craven quote corner. And really quickly, before we say this, when I was researching this episode, I accidentally, spoiler alert, found out Craven will be a recurring character. Yes! Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's so a we, we have more Craven to, to come, so let, let's all, let's make this a little Craven corner. Yeah, exactly. Craven corner. All what right. a lovely gift on this Easter, the resurrection of Craven. <laughs> what would I, uh, how would we, um, what's a good sound cue we can give to Craven's corner? Uh, we that laugh, whatever right. that that rumba from Weekend at Bernie's with Henning's Craven laugh. <laughs> All right, it's settled. Corda, cor, uh, it's official. Gavel bang, gavel bang. Craven's got Cra- his own segment, so we'll have to like get it all contained. All right, what's his quote? Go, Casey. Uh, cue the rumba, the Craven Cute. rumba. Cued. Everybody's got something to hide. That's what makes America great. That's great. Yeah. That is a good. That is a. Ooh, that's a bit of a futuristic, uh, right? That's, that's why I wrote it down because I was mm-hmm. like, applicable even today. Also, Pretty literally cool. could have been a tagline for the Avengers Civil War. Yeah. Ooh, ooh not bad. That's yeah. what I thought. We got Craven's agent over here. That got a big. That got a big fucking laugh too. I don't know why I said fucking. Uh, yeah, that that joke. That joke popped. Craven was pretty much dominant this whole episode. He got all the good jokes because he's a he's a solid character that you know Sleaze. exactly what's up what's up about him. The other ones he's, are still settling in. And I would say he's gross. Like he likes gross murder. He's yeah. macabre. Like yeah, he's totally. He's a great like tool. Said, you know exactly yeah, what he's about totally. in the first five seconds of the. Let's get, yeah, you're right. His development is pretty clean. He is birth fully realized as a character. He's like a his, tool to bring the rest of the cast as diverse as the characters are together. He's repugnant. That's a good so point. they're like, despite what you think about Henning Kashi Fielding and his pipes, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know, the ever shifting, like, heel of the episode, like, when Craven shows up, everybody's, everybody's on Craven. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you're saying it's normally Fielding? Is the I think so. Don't, I mean, wouldn't you guys well, think, I think that Craven's there, would be the... Craven's there to elicit the eye roll, so no other character does. Yeah. And he's there mm-hmm. to give me one of my favorite visual gags is when somebody says th- something just about somebody's uh, j- somebody says something gross right about right as about somebody's t- about to take a bite of a lunch meat sandwich between white <laughs> yeah. bread and can't take their bite because he yes. doesn't. He talk about like a like razor serial killer slasher. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, I've seen what a razor blade can do to yeah, the human body. And she's and Paula Williams is about to take a bite of that uh, Wonder Bread sandwich and can't bring herself to do it. Um, 
So yeah, we're are we back in the judges' quarters for the the denouement of yeah. this episode? Yeah, we're. Oh uh, no! Well, guys. no, we got. No, we no, need no, the no. speech. We need Hans's speech. Yeah, I can go into that, guys. I think. I think. Take it away, Hans. Oh, can I do one thing before? Uh, did anybody else notice Harry's uh, desk beer? Desk beer. <sighs> Uh, he pulled the beer out of his desk and started drinking it. Yeah. No, all right, all right, all right. I wondered what that right. was. I didn't, I didn't freeze frame and, and find out, I though. I that. Beer. As the uh, recovering alcoholic of this podcast, as the Dan Fielding, <laughs> I paused it like a, like a salivating lech, and I looked closer. It is a Seagram's um, seltzer. Uh, hate to be Hate to be that spoiler. Because I was like, is that a sweet 80s beer? No. Didn't look flashy enough for a beer. That's what I thought. Maybe it was like a bush. It had the colors <laughs> of like a beer, like the silver and the blue. Yeah. it had Like back when uh, like the marketing wars hadn't started and you could just go white can blue writing. I'm sipping a LaCroix as we speak, so I get it. Well, why don't you brag about it? <laughs> Ooh la la. It's mango. Uh, I guess, yeah, we got to get into... <laughs> So we do we we open the file right, and we find out what Harry's put away for. Harry doesn't even need uh, to open the file. It, yeah, Harry no lets you know. It. So it. so right at that with your and I hate to be a one. I hate to be a spoiler on the judge beer because let's just say it's a beer because that's cooler. Two, I think it's the second time I've called out Dan Fielding as being like a recovering. Um, addict which is totally not my place to say uh so i'm probably gonna cut that out but um uh, <laughs> gotta leave it in no leave it in i mean to be true long before we did that i've listened to him you know i've shared with on the podcast like my struggles with like addiction stuff and i've listened to him um it's called qualifying but tell his story like the actor is like a Full-fledged, totally open, talks about he, – he's been sober for something like 39 years. Oh, Larroquette? Heard, yeah, John Larroquette. And uh, long before Night Court. And I heard his story. He's from New Orleans. You can go online and listen Ooh. to it. And it's – obviously, it's like incredible because he's a like just a fascinating guy. And I know we'll get into it. But anyways, it's certainly not my place to call it out on Have a Good okay. Night Court. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to – Because I know I someday I'm going to be sitting across funny. dirty fielding – <laughs> Probably Henning right on his hip, getting four <laughs> eyes his at once. Attorney, yeah, exactly. So, so I don't need to. I definitely don't need to call out a fellow fellow struggler because he's done a lot, a lot of good for a lot of people. Coming now, let's bring it full circle. Speaking um, of not doing any good for anybody, and speaking of coming, this lousy, lousy Harold T. Stone. Well, Harold T. Stone, my first. So we're about to jump back in the courtroom, but I was like, as we saw in episode two. When uh, our, our friend Eddie Sims, played by Michael J. Fox, says the Twinkie line, there's yeah. something the way there's something about the way that Harold T. Stone can crack the whip that can give me goosebumps in the way that like when your mom says your dad's coming home, yeah, mm. which may, well, which is another thing that leads me to say like who the fuck could believe this guy is twenty years old? Well, it's also like he is like that cool teacher you have, and like we've all had those teachers where it's like. Lucy Goosey and it's fun mm. and you're like cool this is what like being an adult is like mm-hmm. like just like riffing like we're all working together to like do our do our projects and there's always that one fucking asshole who takes 
that too far. He yeah. takes the fact that this this teacher respects you all so much to like it. it it's going to be we're all equals. Yeah. I know I'm your teacher. That I know you. Big. You're only sixteen, seventeen. But you know what? This is like it, if we all work together, we don't have to, we don't have to have that. There's always one asshole who takes it too fucking far, and then you you see that person just fucking lose it. Yeah, turn it on. They're like, I have to be in charge again. I didn't want to have to fucking do this. That's a good point. So that's and it makes it way worse. Like even more for having reserved that until that moment. It's even more powerful when it happens, right? You don't expect it coming out of this guy. You let this person down, right? Mm -hmm. As did the fellow night weirdos of Night Court for Harry Stone. Yeah, and now we make that shift. He comes. We're, we hit commercial break. Oh shoot! We haven't. We are, we still got to do some research on the commercials of '84. Yeah. A promised segment for next episode. I don't know why I say segment for any. Go check out our other podcast, <laughs> The Jerk Practice, also available on iTunes. Our mother show. Uh, if you want to hear, uh, understand some of these references. If you want to um, check out the goodies on the mother show. Yeah. If you want to check out some real <laughs> It's Dr. always Alien frosty shit. on the JP podcast. Yeah. So anyways, we'll talk about the commercials next time. We come back from a commercial break. We're back in court. Harry T. Stone walks in and says, uh, and Bull says, everybody rise. And he says, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about. It. And now Harry T. Stone goes into the reason I'm giving, I'm not going to give my final judgment, but I give this show gavel bangs. Note, I haven't said it, but I give Harry T. Stone nine gavel bangs for this episode. Nine out of ten. Because of this moment coming up. This monologue, he crushes it. it And it's totally like, uh, it it doesn't, it's a little bit wedged in because he says it as though it applies to the case. It doesn't apply at all, like whatsoever, (laughs) but he gets in and Ashley, as you were saying the last episode or Ash, as you were saying the last episode, um, like theatrical, I was like, I can see this motherfucker. I don't know. I love to swear. I go back to eighties night court dirt potty mouth in this, (laughs) in this podcast, but I I can see him delivering this monologue on stage. Like he, he has highs and lows and emotions that you only need read through the eyes that he just crushes this monologue where he talks about his crime, which has some really nice back and forth bits in it anyway. So he says his crime was he knocked over a liquor store to which uh, Henning K. Fielding says, no, I'm just <laughs> to which Dan Fielding says, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's getting that's getting Al Craven esque uh, applause there. So first, first he walks out and immediately goes to the gallows, though. Yeah, that hurt me to say that. (laughs) Yes, he goes and and casually sits down. He wants to commune with the people for this speech he's about to give. And by people, he means Morty Seinfeld, high on glue. Um, so he sits down, he says, he says his crime that he knocked over a liquor store to which Dan Fielding says, you committed armed robbery. And he says, no, I actually knocked over a liquor store with a 59 Chevy. And they're like, what? And he's like, that wasn't mine. So the crime was he went for a joy ride, um, when he was a juvenile crashed into a liquor store, 
got caught, obviously, and then had to go to court to which his father sat behind him. And then for a young man, you know what? What an asshole I am. Maybe I got to come in here. I was going to, I want to read, I want to go out on auditions and use this as a monologue to get parts. <laughs> I want to do this monologue for Steven Spielbergo. Um, uh, anyways, he says, for a young man who loves his father, I'd rather be hit across the head by a two by four than hear my father tell me he's disappointed in me. And you, he doesn't. No, no, no. He'll, he doesn't just say that. He said any man would rather yeah. be hit across the face with a two by four. To which my immediate note was not Eddie. I'm Sims. not a. I'm not a man. But Lord, I'd rather my father be disappointed in me. I mean, I mean, not to give <laughs> too much of a peek behind the scenes, but you and I had that not as quite as bad as Harold T. Stone, but. You and I ran and ran afoul of the law, which we've talked about. And I'll never forget walking out of the out of the fucking tank that night because they made us stay all fucking night. And the first person I saw was Leland Frywald, and he was smiling like a fucking Looney Tune. <laughs> what? Like, right. <laughs> and the first thing, I, and the first thing I see when I walk out of the 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 jail is Casey's dad, and he's giving me. A like a you idiot smile, and then of course we look at our own fathers, or I think oh. it was we both get into our cars with our fathers, and they're like, I know my dad was like, "You are a fucking moron!" Like, oh like yeah, the tune oh, yeah. changed. So that because I it's it couldn't have been timed any better because I saw your dad first and he was smiling. I looked at my dad and it was fucking gloom. Doom, like it was overcast, but just over him. Because we talked about it afterwards, and I was like, that was fucking awful. I had to talk about my dad, and he was just like, what are you doing? You're 25. Like, what are you, like, your grandparents are going to read about this in the newspaper? Like, what are you doing? And the only thing that kept me somewhat, like, out of the fucking doldrums was the fact that I saw your dad smiling. So when I talked to you, you were like, your dad was smiling, too. Yeah, yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, we'll definitely, uh, we keep teasing in each episode that we'll definitely go into. I have the actual paperwork. We can unseal that document. Of this case, yeah, yeah. Um, but for now... Uh, uh, you I guess disappoint we'll, me, Harold. Yes, was the we, line. we disappointed our dads in the same way he disappointed mm. his dad. And it's so, so he ends this monologue at, at which point I was just like, all right, I see why this guy got his gig. I see that this guy has his chops. I see many, many good episodes ahead. Yes, he has his, there's faults with like the writing and the bizarre like character traits. Let's hope they smooth those out. But I know that he has what it takes to deliver some uh, emotions, to deliver some uh, uh, emotional soliloquies my way in the future. Because I thought he crushed it right there. Well, I thought I thought it was really, it was touching. It yes. was a very, very touching yeah. monologue. And just like we spoke about in the last episode, 
I don't know who's editing, who's directing, but they really made a conscious decision in this show to let the actors use their time. Yes. Which is so not normal in a sitcom, especially. Everything's got to be fast, fast, fast. And they really let him chew into this monologue. And I also, you know, not only was the delivery great and the writing was was spot on, too. I was impressed with the scripting. It's also... A common theme, in my opinion, especially during that time, was very much the relationship between a son and father. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that relationship was less defined than necessarily it is now because dads at that time, this is a men are from Mars, women are from Venus in this episode. Dads were the the quiet type, the reserved Mm. type. And so- Not being able to make up for that, which he, you know, he kind of said at the end of the speech, he wasn't able to because his father unfortunately passed before he turned his life around and became a judge. Um, Mm. I thought, you know, wow, to me watching it, that's just a really, you know, inspiring moment. But also, it's really heavy stuff for any man of any age watching during that time. And I thought to myself, like, I remember Night Court. I loved Night Court. And I don't remember yeah. it getting this deep. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. That's the era of, like, when Harry was like, I would rather, like, when he gave me that stare and said, I am disappointed in you. He was Sick. like, I would, like, he said the line, I'd rather get hit by a two by four. But that's from the era of, like, you f- get in a fist fight with your old man on the front lawn. Like, you know, like, they're just, like, it's just such a different. That's just, that just happens in the background anyway. So, no big deal. Yeah, like, those are your, the dads that survived Korea. They survived World War Two. They fought in Vietnam. You know, like. He also said that that stare felt like 20 years in jail. Or something oh, yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah, that's right. He paid his dues. Not in. We could have used the, a gallows moment there. It was like, he could have used a Marty McFly hug. That's yeah. what I wrote down. There's a hug coming up. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, right. there is. You're absolutely so right. So he wasn't sent to jail for inappropriate hugging of a minor? Not yet. I don't know what else is in that file. So he ends that monologue, which you're, that's the best point. I think what really kills that, Ashley, and kills it in, the, in a good way. I, I keep saying Ashley. I'm sorry, Ash. Uh, is that... Um, he uh he gets to take his time and have the appropriate pauses mm-hmm. and like look around and like feel it out like it's really yeah yeah no and he uses the 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 stage it is a stage he gets to use the space it's just impressive and yeah. so then he walks away and here I, I i i i let the emotion slip away and then he goes to the stenographer let the um record show that this and this or that I took a recess. I did this, and well, he basically he set, he closes the case, and yes. then it's time to go have a recess. Have oh yeah, he closes he the case. Have of, a recess. He takes care of the the wedding case that has nothing really to do with the monologue. But I was going to bring that up, Henning. I was going to go back to like you said. There's not even really a case being made. Yeah. No, there is. It's basically he's teaching the groom, hey, the past is the past. She can't undo it. So get over it or don't. But whatever it is, what it is. I was going with how do we not have a sassy court stenographer? How did that not end up a character in the show? I feel ya. No, that that would have been it would have been nice he's, to end that scene on a, a little one liner. 
There is like one. Twenty years. There, I'll take a stare. There is one sitting there. I, I see, but she hasn't spoken yet. You're right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think a stenographer yeah, comes into play. She doesn't look very funny. <laughs> Maybe though. That's Bull's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Bull doesn't have a wife. Bull's married to. Uh, Bull I don't had, know. Married to. The it's law. the '80s. Is Bull one of those guys who has like a favorite hooker? Oh <laughs> yeah, Carla B. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. yeah, everyone's favorite hookah, 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 Carla B. Hookah, hookah. Hookah and chucka. Bull's one of those guys that like is in training to be uh, like one of those uh, Iceman-esque serial killers. He just takes his uh, days off and strangles bums down on the Lower East Side. <laughs> along, yeah, along 12th. Sorry, I don't mean that. I'm too hard on everyone this episode. Sometimes they deserve it. And now we hit... We're back at the chambers where we like to chambers, end our yeah. episodes. Right, he's exhausted from this soliloquy, and he has yep. to take a Torme break. Yes, Torme. that judge loves headphones. <laughs> yep, listening to Mel, old Mel croon, crooning. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, guys? Then- did you guys like to walk? Have a Walkman on your hip? Did you do that? Nah, I never did. Always tunes in the ears, Casey. No, I didn't have a Walkman. We had a Discman, but as we all know, Discman skip like fucking crazy, so you can't carry a Discman around with you. I had one of the... I, I saved up money, and my dad helped me out, and I got one of the really nice Discman that didn't skip, so I I could have it in my book bag. But yeah, I never had a Walkman, but my dad did on the dad jeans. Oh, hell yeah, Dad jeans, sneakers, and a Walkman. Big orange headphones. Absolutely. I, I, I had a Walkman. I definitely had a Walkman. I always wore it on my... Umbros. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, uh, I remember I always had it on because every time I walked into Walmart, which for future reference, we'll talk about our court case. I always had <laughs> they always had to put a pink sticker on it to represent that I walked in with it and didn't. God, that's pick amazing. It up off you the just, shelf. They gave you a sticker that you could easily have put on something new and taken it out with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm not a crook. Um, oh, really? Yeah, not anymore, man. Um, uh, let's see, where are we That's at? in the past. We're so in Chambers grooving. doors. Chambers, we're in Chambers. Behind closed doors. And everybody's apologizing, we're at that no, point. No, 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 no. Just two people. Oh, They're right. just two people right oh, now. Oh, this is where we begin the uh, a little a little sexual I tension. think we get a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, that I have that note too. Is something going to happen between Lana and Stone? How soon? Lana Wagner. Is it going to happen first season, or is it going to keep it till second? I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, let's. Well, what happens? Let's go through what what they're discussing and and what happens before they're interrupted. Hit us with it, Ash. All right. Drive this train. So essentially, Lana feels really bad because all of this was caused indirectly and you know unfortunately by her as a mm-hmm. mistake of course for the age bet but she just feels terrible and after hearing that speech i'm sure she was touched as we all were and yeah and you know harry's fine with it and harry forgives her and is being you know very very nice and and warm to her and it ends up getting a there's a hug there's a hug involved there's a friendship hug and i I'm a former actor. I hug my friends. We're theater people. Yeah, yeah. I Do you hug, pull their shirts up to reveal but, the small uh, of their back? Yeah, well, only for Marty McFly. Um, but yeah, their hug lasts a little longer than than I normal hugs with my friends do. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, well, he zips down his fly. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So they're hugging and they're interrupted. Paula comes in. And then her Lana's and then first Lana, response here's is the I'm tell. engaged. Here's the tell. Lana rips herself away from Harry. That's dramatic. Says, right. It's not what you think. It's not what you you know, that wasn't what you're thinking. That wasn't I'm what engaged. I was thinking at all. Yep, we find out she's engaged. I didn't see a ring on her finger though, did you? I nope. looked, I didn't see one either. So what the hell's that? She's well, very to the I stone, thought about uh, that and I have a reasoning behind it. She's going to night court. She doesn't want to get it stolen on her way home or on her oh, way to work. Oh yeah, we're forgetting where she is. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going I'll go with it. I'll ride that train to night court. Good logic. Good thinking. That that's what I put together yeah. when I couldn't see. So we it. find out Lana Wagner is in fact engaged. Or she's or she's just saying it. To, uh, I didn't. I didn't think. I wouldn't have thought sexual tension. So the right, the r- construction of that was good. It planted the seed in my mind. Yeah, I didn't I've, see them as like an item until they told me not to think of them as an item. Don't right, think of the right, pink right. elephant. So like now I got to think of the pink elephant. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that. She doth protest too much. Yo, you think it's a good idea? No conflict of interest. No, not in the eighties, baby. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying Harry Stone's giving hugs out left and right because he's got another eh, questionable one to dish out. Oh, he does. That one I disagree with. Extorts a hug. That one does. Was that horny 80s hug? Yeah, that was a horny 80s hug. Take him down a gavel bang. (laughs) He wanted just to rub up on that lady. Yeah, that's the name of this episode. Horny 80s hug dash. (laughs) The former Harry T. Stone horny 80s hug. Uh, so the rest of the crew comes in. Uh, we get to the end of the episode. The the husband and the groom, the husband and the groom, the the groom and the bride come in. Not in '84, baby. Not in '84. No way. Uh, and they Harry does the impromptu marriage. He's like, I'm a judge. I can do this. If you guys want to be married, yeah. he does. He doesn't suggest it. They do. Oh, oh yeah. I forget. We had talked about this earlier, but that the point. So the crew comes in kind of slowly, like Paula Williams, the DA, and then Dan Fielding, and they're having their conversation. Like, are you all right, Judge? After he gives his long speech, mm-hmm. and then when the the couple just casually walks into Judge's chambers, that's I when I finally just went. Bah! <laughs> this is so easy. Like, <laughs> it's just going to end with every character in Judge's chambers. I wrote down again, throwback from last week, quote unquote, jazz hands. Everybody shows up for the last scene. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, his office, to be fair, is right across from the cafeteria. It's so close, guys. It's right there. Yeah. And I mean, he does. He keeps it open. He's got a bunch of cool seltzers behind the desk. He's unorthodox, baby. He's unorthodox. I also personally love learning really quickly before we get to the plot of the scene um, that this blue tuxedo with the ruffles that we've been talking about is a rental. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a rental. Which makes it even better, in my opinion. The couple comes in and asks Judge Harry T. if he can marry them because part of it is they don't have... He tells them... Set up an appointment. Come back. Set up appointment with Lana. Come back tomorrow. And there. And uh, the the groom is like, I can't. I got this. Is a rental. Can I ask you this? Uh, is the tuxedo a joke at the time, or is that a normal looking tuxedo for 1984? I think it's even for then. Is it supposed to be a joke? My okay. dad Cheap. got married in a 
I would say gray blue eggshell tux. Uh, so it wasn't, I think it wa- wasn't far off, but it was amped to be a joke. So yeah. maybe it was like a little, for 1984, it was a little too 1974. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So it wasn't as funny as it is to us now, but it's it's definitely dated. The joke stands. It's, it's, it's not outdated. a My Cousin Vinny punch with the no, suit. No, it really but isn't. It, but but yeah. it, it's dated. Gotcha. The whole store has the flu. The whole store got the flu. <laughs> That's a my cousin video reference, I think. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, it is. Um, all right, so they they ask the judge to marry them. Tux is a rental, uh, and then he gives a very unorthodox uh, set of vows. Very much so, and it goes back to what Ashley was saying about like the roles of like dads and sons, and like they're really like very weird and dated. Like his vows were like, can you promise? Oh, I got it. Oh, Ashley's laying on us. He AL. he he does. He goes to the groom first, and there's just one thing that the guy can't do. He can't come home at the end of the day and just flop in front of the TV. Yes. Mm. And then he goes to the Fair. lady, and there there are a few more things. Got but a couple more caveats for old they all revolve around. Good lord, woman, don't nag the man oh, when yeah. he gets home. you ladies and your chit-chat. And for the love of God, do not make other plans for him on the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And it's it's that A-O oh, kind of God moment. Oh, God forbid. What a dingbat, eh? It men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I think that joke was recently used on According to Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, it totally was. Like, it's the... and I, It's just that... It's very innocent. They don't absolutely mean it, but it's just that subconscious joke of like, wow, ladies, such a nag, you uh, know? You ladies and your plans and, and guys, your talking. always the Al Bundy. Yeah, I was going to say there's the shift like guys are pieces of shit automatically. But um, what was I going to say? So then they get married and they're like, that's it. And he's like, yeah, I didn't have to say shit. Like, you're just, <laughs> I just have to put my that. initial down. I just said that because I just, what did he say? I was just giving some sage advice. You didn't have to Yeah, he wanted to them to think of each other not in this abstract bridegroom, but like you're people, like be good to each other, not in the way that like, uh, you know, I just, traditional. I just wish that someone would have told us that before we got married, Casey, that this, the only ingredients to a successful marriage is for you not to flop and for me not to nag. Yeah. Well, you guys are batting zero for two. I know. <laughs> and that's oh, not yeah. a saying. <laughs> we, we missed our, uh, we also missed, uh, the, uh, I got a Dan Fielding joke in here and it fits into the whole, like, back to Judy, Judy Landers. Uh, they come in and, uh, Dan's line, the bride and groom come in, he goes, look, it's my favorite pair. Oh, yeah. Ooh. In oh, reference oh to bosom. And then he gives them the, ratty look sidewise look isn't that when uh isn't that when uh the so you know uh, what he's talking about the italian groom calls him rock face i like <laughs> i like that yeah <laughs> whatever that means that was before in, in the courtroom actually so all right so they're married he says you know i was just doing all this 
Closing arguments. But now there's, home hold it, there's another, there's an awkward hug. Yes. Yeah. He, he says, you're married. You may kiss the bride and you oh, may give hug. the judge a hug. Ooh, oh, man. He just wants down. to have Judy ceremony. Sanders bosoms rubbed against his chest. Yeah. He doesn't. I was like, he doesn't even give the guy a handshake. He doesn't even make like an effort. It's no, like he he's he like feels a, up the brew the the fucking bride. Yeah, he gives the bride a hug and then he winks up at his dad and heaven. Prima Nocta. He's proud of me Prima now. Nocta. Oh yeah, you're right. This is like he's like a uh, a British lord in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> the hug was more uncomfortable because of Dan Fielding's joke about her breasts and the shot was perfect. You saw her boobs and then here he goes in for the hug and you're like he's just going in for the boobs. HTS. So, the the cadre is almost complete. It's almost the full cast, but aren't we missing a couple people? The bum? Is Bull in here yet? And Selma. Selma comes waddling in, and she's got a filthy She can bum. smell sexual tension like a bloodhound. <laughs> <laughs> Who's horny in here? She comes running in and she's, what does she say? Like, does she just say the classic, like, stay, get away from me. I won't go out with you or something. Oh, yeah. The hobo is chasing after her buns. Yeah. I think it has something to do with her butt. Yeah. Like, I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah. But uh, I'm sorry. There's a, the, the right, right before that happens, the bride and groom leave. And and they say, have a good honeymoon, and please dissect this joke for me, because I've tried so many times, oh, three man, ways man. to Sunday, and I don't get it. So Bull goes, have a good honeymoon, don't do anything I wouldn't do, and then the groom says, I doubt if I could. I don't understand it either. It's another comment to Bull's stature. Like, he's just saying, like... I could never do anything you do. You're a big giant. Because we missed the gag with Kaiser to solidify Bull as a big giant monster. Oh, yeah. Kaiser tries to get past Kaiser it. tries to run out of the room. The logic is if Bull can't do it, then there's no way this tinier man could do it. No, there's either. no way this guy could ever do anything like Bull. As if Bull has wings. If it's out of reach of Bull, it's out of reach of this guy. Yeah, this guy could never even compared to bull so don't do anything i wouldn't do there's no chance in hell i could ever do anything you do he's incomparable yeah Sorry. incomparable <laughs> that's the new bull themed uh podcast incomparable <laughs> sustained that's why we need and we know richard so we mole see. won't do that podcast <laughs> or no that's a new segment we need we need to have a parable incomparable <laughs> the parable in which we compare Bull to the other outlandish sitcom characters. Who's the crazier all-time sitcom character? Is it Bull versus Balky Bartokamus? <laughs> Is it Bull versus Coco? Is it I think Bull, Bull versus wins Steve every time. Urkel? Is it Bull versus that weird crusty neighbor from Empty Nest? <laughs> or are we putting crusty Empty Nest neighbor versus Dan Feeling because they're both the sex fiends? Sex fiends gotta go. <laughs> bull is asexual. Yeah, bull. Bull is like. Yeah, bull has a vagina. No, I'm sorry. I don't know. What bull... 
Um, so maybe he could do something Bull couldn't do. Uh, you're That's right. True. All right, I get the joke. I'm glad we talked Bull about... Bull can lay eggs. Um, I thought, um, speaking of, like, Bull is asexual, but I also... You guys might know something about the further run of the show, but I thought Dan Fielding was... Like, he's a virgin. He doesn't know what to do with this nudie Meg. It's like the first time he's seen a woman. He's ogling it. He, and he, he can't handle himself... He's fanning himself around around this hot 80s blonde. As I recall, he by the end of the show, he is a depraved sex maniac. Okay. Yeah, like All to right. the point where like we're talking like classes. Well, that's where he grows maybe right now. He's yeah, a, I think we're seeing the beginning. Right now he's- a, His he nib is getting stronger. About, yeah, he's he's he had his nib crushed. He had his nib crushed. Right now, Dan Fielding has a double wide in Pervert Park. Um, so we come to our conclusion where the couple leaves and then the, uh, the, the guy, the hobo played by Barney Martin is chasing Selma, trying to get a piece. And he says, let's have a party for the reception at my place. Where's your place? 42nd and 6th. That's a park. Dress accordingly. Good writing. Yep. There you go. Gotta laugh. Got to laugh. Yeah, it worked. And I was so dumb. I, it doesn't matter how long <laughs> I, I live in here. I was like, there's no park there. That's Times Square. These are a bunch of idiots. Sounds to which like Ash Square. was like, no, there's, it's Bryant Park. That's Bryant Park. Yeah. One, <laughs> one out back of New York Public Library. That's um, a nice park. And then we find out, as we said. That's where you want to be a hobo. Bryant Park oh, yeah. is a mm-hmm. good one. Mm-hmm. Not in 1984, though. <laughs> Bryant Park no, was yeah. literally on fire. Um, that's where you're being murdered by the Iceman. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's where you. Yeah, you. That's where Bull is walking around with uh, two leather belts around his shoulders. <laughs> Get your chucka sticks. <laughs> yeah. I, you, do you think the? You know what? I'm not gonna. I was gonna hypothesize about like what an act it was. We have to do some. Um, joy work. I'm assuming Night Court was probably filmed in L.A., right? Oh, I don't I know, but yeah, so, I would assume. Yeah. No, I don't want to. Because I was this. thinking, what this kind? What kind of shenanigans does a does a a Richard? Uh, what's what's Bull's name? Richard Mole, right? Richard Mole, yeah. Mull. Richard Mole. What kind of shenanigans does a does a big six foot four, two hundred forty pound guys with a lot of Night Court cash in his pocket get into in uh, at two a.m. in New York City? Watch out, Carla B. He's going to rip you in half. Yeah, I would say definitely no, LA. LA. There are absolutely no exterior shots. Yeah. And as I mentioned that Judy Landers, like her and her sister. You, the, you and Judy Landers. I'm just saying she was Hollywood. We need to re-listen and just tally that every single time you bring Judy up. I'm just saying. that's your Lord have mercy. You better get your Dr. Alien uh Fix the you potion. I, I'm, that was gross. I'm taking it to night court misogyny levels here. I'm a doctor alien. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The the so somebody wins the contest. We find out how old the judge is. All right. Thirty four years young. It also needs to be said that the article isn't gonna go gonna go <laughs> up. So There's quick. not gonna be any outing for Judge Stone. Oh yeah, right. good point. His headline joyriding judge doesn't doesn't oh, got right. sizzle. No yep. sizzle. Hot. I, thought a, I thought that's a great headline. 
Yeah, the guy comes like I can see why Al Craven is the top of his field. He comes up with headlines like nobody's business, but he hangs out with dirty <laughs> bums in the gallows. When does that guy get his writing done? He just I have no idea. He doesn't even write. He uses that software you just talk into like it's called like Dragonfly or something. <laughs> um Let's but see yeah, we, so we, for the we, bet. we find out how old he is. Uh Yeah, after that's all done, Harry says, "By the way, I'm 34, in case you were wondering. And they look up the initials. Who has 34? Everyone scrambles desperately to the the pool that that Larrikat's been keeping. And what are the the initials? And 34, 34, who's that? HTS. Who? And they slowly look behind them to see a smiling, winking Harry Anderson. They slowly give that laboring look like they're looking for reindeer shit. <laughs> and he, and his line? Call it a uh-huh. hunch. Nice. How many gavel bangs are we giving it? I'm going to give this episode eight. And I, I eight. think I, I eight, think Craven yeah. gives a lot of them. Wow, you got, that's high. That's high. What are you giving it, Hen? I gave it an eight, too. Jim. Um, liked it better than both of the previous episodes. By a lot, I gave yeah. it. I gave it an initial four, and then I went up to a five, and I gave Harry T. Stone a nine. See, I like that the fact this is the episode where I'm really starting to see the camaraderie. Yeah, and I think Craven being such a sleaze had a lot to do with it. So I think that character yeah. is smart, and I'm glad to know that he's recurring because you get to see the def- yeah, you get to yeah. see the character. The characters aren't working against each other; they're working together. So you get a little bit more clarity. I also liked yeah, it yeah, that yeah. even though in the last episode, I really liked that we had, you know, that Eddie character in such a great story. I like that the story revolved around primarily the actual leads in oh this one. God. Yeah. I was going to say exactly the same thing, Ash. You said last time it's that amount of like bringing Fox in and, and the, the other characters in wasn't earned. And I totally agree with that. This one is is more about the the mains. This feels like it should have been the second yeah. episode because we're still we still don't know who these people are. Yeah. This is Michael what that, J. Fox this episode is about. Like always gonna and suck the oxygen out of the room, baby. Yeah. <laughs> His star burns too bright. He's too hot. Real quick uh taste for you guys because we know how much of a of a lover of Golden Girls uh, Henning T. Stone is over here. Yeah. Uh Jay Sandrich, <laughs> who directed this episode, oh. also directed the pilot starring Coco of the Golden Girls. What? Over under, are we gonna see Coco in Night Court? Uh I'm going <laughs> under. I think that guy died under a bridge in nineteen eighty six. Ashley looked it up. Uh, Night Court was filmed on the Universal in lot in beautiful Burbank, California. Yeah, these guys are Damn Cali that. guys. That disappoints Cali. me so much. I'm taking away a gavel bang. Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, what was I? Uh, Golden Girls Sandwich. Yeah, I don't see Coco happening. But this Jay Sandwich, this guy directed pilots of like, you name it. Golden Girls, Empty Nest. He was like that. You know, you hear about that Hollywood go-to. You don't know uh-huh. the name as like just a bystander, but in the biz, yeah. they're like, we need this baby to pop. Go to Sandridge. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a repository for one of those shows because both the actors of the, the bride and groom, uh, are, like you look up their IMDb and they've did, they have done every television show you can think of. Yeah. 
That's crazy. I think during that time, though, there was a lot of that. Turn like, and burn, like yeah. literally, as a, as an actor, think of now. Like, there are how many channels do we have? Countless, and and I'm just talking non reality shows. Even non reality shows, how many actors can have co- like you know hosting jobs or you know this or that or the other thing? There are so many jobs, so a ton of actors really made their bank by being like a quote unquote that girl or yeah. that guy during that time. I mean, and that was a you could really make a living doing that. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else to say on episode three, the former Harry Stone? I think it was uh No, I don't think so. It was a good episode. Solid. Everybody's got something to hide. That's what makes America great. That's America. That's America. That's West- that's Craven's America. All right, guys. Have a good night court. Night court. Have a good night court. What is you, the night is full and strange and weird? What do you say? Oh yeah, the night is long and full of weirdos. It sure is full of cravens. Watch out for your cravens. Full of weirdos, but it should be about our mains, not so much about them. Yeah. This is very critical. This episode. I'm not happy about no, it. No, that, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Like I said, I'm that's kidding. what I'm happy with about this episode. <laughs> Gavel bang. Gavel bang, gavel bang. Case number three, Horny 80s Hugs, the former Harry T. Stone. Put it in the file and lock it up, bull. Real quick, uh, if you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, share it on Facebook. Check out our other podcast, uh, Jerk Practice, also on iTunes and Google Play. Our Facebook page, the Jerk Practice Podcast, at Jerk Practice Pod. Um, yeah, any little thing will really help uh, get the pod out there so we can all... Uh, we can all share in this uh, night court community, if you will. Gavel bang, gavel bang. I'd rather be hit by a two by four than you not listen to the next episode. Number four, coming up next week. God bless you. And Craven Laugh Henning, go. <laughs> all rise. Don't bother getting up. We're not starting yet. As some of you already know, I was once in jail. Harry, don't do this. I mention that only because it seems germane to this case. However Miss Geyer feels about having posed nude, it's done. It's a fact that can't be changed. And it's the same with what I did. What did you do? Getting to that. Just a second, Judge. I want to take a few notes. Okay, Craven, get your pen out. You ready? Mm-hmm. I knocked over a liquor store. You committed armed robbery? No, I knocked over a liquor store. The front part of it, anyway, with a 64 Cadillac convertible. I owned one of those once. Did you? I didn't. You mean you stole the car? Impulsive, huh? But I was a teenager then. All I really meant to do was drive it around the block a couple of times and take it back, but my foot slipped off the brake pedal and... Kaboom. Correct. I only spent two nights in jail and a couple of weeks in the reformatory, but it affected me for the rest of my life. Being in jail? No. Being in the path of my father's stare. Believe me, in 20 minutes I spent my time in hell. 
was a courtroom like this, and he sat right there. You would have thought he could have blinked or something. He could have reached out and slapped me or yelled at me or beat me, but damn it, he just sat there and looked at me. And then when it was all over, all he said was, you disappointed me, Harold. When a boy loves his father, he would rather get knocked across the head with a two-by-four than hear that kind of stuff. Night Court.